Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Well, you've done it again. You've tuned in to the three questions with Andy Richter. Uh, I, again, am Andy Richter, continue to be, much to my chagrin. And uh, I am very excited today because I have uh, one of my favorite performers in the world. <laughs> he just made a jerk-off gesture. <laughs> I uh, did not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he did, and it made me it's, – it's thrilling. <laughs> it's Michael McKean. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, well, I'm glad to be here. It actually makes me worry for you. You should have better things to do than I, be here. I have nothing. There's nothing better to do than this. Oh, that's good. Come on. Now, we uh, we have, uh, I, was it the first time we met at, at Jeopardy? Or had we met before? No, because, let's see, that was not, that was 09. Yeah. So we, we, must, we must have met in 01, maybe? Yeah. When we did... Hmm, shoot. It may have been the same year, but I know it was right around that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, because we were on the same episode of Jeopardy, which... We weren't, we didn't play... Or the same day. Yes, yeah, same day. The same they, day, they yeah, yeah. shot three of them, I think. Yeah. And were you on with Wolf Blitzer? I was on with Wolf Blitzer and uh, and uh, 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 Dana Delaney. Oh. Yeah. She's great. She was great. I like her. And I really, yeah, and I, um, and Wolf did poorly... Yeah, he did poorly. He needed some buzzer help, I think. Uh, yeah, it is amazing how it is a uh, an athletic contest, but just with your thumb. Yes, you well, know. Listen, two thumbs, and you got the entire history of gaming. That's <laughs> so, true. You know, we all yeah, yeah. started as a one thumb game. Right, right. It's like that joke that Gary Marshall used to do at shootings that when someone would come in to when it, for a retake, come in with the clapperboard, you know, with the sticks. We got to bring the sticks in. Yeah, Gary, Gary would say to the audience. Those are called the sticks, and when you do that, of course, this guy's been in the, around for a long time. He started in silent pictures with one stick. <laughs> it's a really good joke. <laughs> it is a good yeah. joke. And everyone always Worth died. repeating, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> They're one of those repeatables. So, and you went on, didn't uh, you, you go on to win the whole thing? Won a million bucks for wow. the International Myeloma Foundation. That's fantastic. It was, I know. Who was in your, who was in your final? The last, remember. well, it was a two-day affair, yeah. as, as Alec likes to say. Uh, Alex likes to say. Um, and it was, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, it was Cheech Marin. Mm-hmm. And Jane Curtin. Oh, wow. So, yeah, those are two really smart You know what makes- And Cheech won the last game. Oh, he did? But I, but I had won enough the previous day so that I edged him there at the oh, end. Oh, wow. Oh, so it was like a cumulative thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. So the, the, the final Jeopardy question, I just 
you know, browned out on and, and there Cheech has it, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's a really, he's a really good poster boy for uh, marijuana abuse. Because <laughs> the lesson could be you can abuse it and you can still be yeah. really smart and know your shit. Yes. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And I do think what what makes me uh, particularly proud of it, uh, of that of that grouping is comedy people. It's all comedy good. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you hadn't dropped out to to go on the road with Conan, yeah, you would have taken the money. Oh, I don't Absolute know about that. Lebs a freaking. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, no, that was that day was the beginning of the tour that we did yeah. uh, when we were between the Tonight Show and the TBS show and had to go do. Which was a very interesting time for me because it was, I mean, you had a sample of what it's like to, as a touring musician. Yes. And I, I, this was about a two and a half month experience of that. And I realized I would be a 350 pound alcoholic <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, I, if I had to live that life. There was one show, we were on the road with uh, Lenny and the Squig Tones. <laughs> David Lander, myself, yeah, and Chris, yeah. Chris Guest on guitar and... <clears throat> some uh, Murphy Dunn. You know Murphy Dunn from Chicago? I know the name, Second yeah. Second City guy. He's yeah. Awesome guy. He was in the Blues Brothers Band as well. Um, oh, yeah. You know. Murph and the Murph Tones. Absolutely. Sure, of course. Uh, yeah, and but our drummer was a guy named uh, Ed, Don Poncher, uh-huh. uh, known as on stage as the as Ming the Merciless. Uh, <laughs> but he, he, I just walked by his hotel room one day on we were on our way to the sound check or something and and we looked in there and he was sitting on the edge of his bed and he was eating potato salad with his toothbrush <laughs> that that's the road right there that's the whole story <laughs> that level of misery yeah yeah i remember i just remember one day where we were we were leaving dc and going to i want to say maybe atlanta my bus was some sort of stop in between, and it was all this hustle and bustle to get – or no, it was Nashville. Okay. The hustle and bustle to get to the next place, and and then there was a stop, and I think there was some press thing, and then get there. And so it's this whole adrenal day, adrenalized day, <laughs> and then I get to the hotel room, and I almost cried because I was like, it's another fucking hotel room. Yeah, like, it's sure. just – Yeah, yeah. Oh, all of that to just come back to this – sad room where well, I wake up in the middle of the night and don't know where the bathroom is. Yeah. And when they block book, sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll stay in three identical hotels. Yes. And then it's really like, now I'm just completely, Lord, yeah. I'm completely lost. And yeah. have to, you have to keep your uh, little key envelope so you remember <laughs> where the <laughs> hell your room is. And you have to write a little note to yourself starting, dear Andy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't miss 803. it. 803. <laughs> um... So you're a, a native New Yorker, sort of, yeah, 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 sort, yeah. Of, sort of, yeah, yeah. In, in the sense that I was born there, yeah. You were born, but I mean, uh, but you grew up in Long Island, yeah. correct? So, but yeah, I lived in this in New York City with my folks, yeah, because uh, we were very close at the time till I was about <laughs> around three, and then we moved out to Hicksville, Long Island. Oh, really? And we were there for four, about four years, and then moved to Seacliff uh-huh. on the North Shore, which is kind of my my real hometown. Yes, yeah. when you're seven, you kind of. You start taking in the world a little right, bit exactly. more. Right, you know? exactly. Oh, yeah. When you're – where you're born is just sort of incidental. You it's know, miniature. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it only expands as you expand. Yes, the, precisely. Your knowledge of what the world might be. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Long Island uh, is kind of still my home. Yeah. Sea Cliff. 
Do you have a lot of family back there still? Or? Um, like flies, they're dropping. Yeah. <laughs> but they're also, uh, uh, most of the, I, I, my, my nephew lives there now, and my niece has moved up to Syracuse. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty much it I mean, yeah. for, the, for the East Coast guys. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, was the move out to Long Island, was that just to raise kids? Kinda? Yeah. Yeah. You know, my father started working in, uh, at um, record companies. He started, like, bringing home some pretty decent money, and he worked for Dictaphone for a year. He was like really on the, on oh, the wow. edge of that technology thing. But I mean, he was a copywriter. He was a guy who would like, he got, well, here's the facts. This is what a Dictaphone is. And he would write out all these paragraphs about how it's going to change your life. Yeah. And then, you know, he went into the record business because he loved music so much. He was a big jazz fan yeah. and uh, classical too, but mainly kind of blues and jazz. He this, Didn't he start... Decca or no 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 started? no oh, okay. no Decca That's... started in thirty seven uh-huh. he worked for Decca right after he got out of the army I see and uh, and he was he was on the um, when they first started making LPs mm-hmm. after the war and Decca became the first big LP thing that was his kind of entrance yeah, yeah. so did you meet a lot of musicians as a child not I too mean... many but you know who I met when I was six years old no Bob and Ray. Oh, really? Yeah. My father was a huge Bob and Ray fan. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, he kind of kind of helped them or, you know, made, got some phones to be answered, you know. Oh, about really? About working at Victor when he, was, when he was there. This was actually, that was actually later. But earlier on, he was just a fan who got in touch with him. And they came out to the house. They came out to uh, my house in, in Hicksville. Yeah. And I met them. For some tippling, I'm That's sure. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, maybe. <laughs> and I I, uh, I told uh, Chris, first time I met Chris, I said, I met your dad before you did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, my first, well, one of my first sort of big jobs was on uh, Cabin Boy. Was That's on right. Chris, yeah, it, yeah, The yeah. movie with Chris. So that, that was always, you know, he, uh, you know, he, it was, when you ha- meet multi generational sort of people, yeah. I, heroes might be too much because I don't want him to get the kind of ego, you know. But uh, but you know, multi generational people that you've admired, yeah. it's really yeah, kind of yeah. yeah, yeah. But the thing about heroes is, um, I have never had a quote unquote hero about whom I could say he can do no wrong right, or right. she can do no wrong because I don't have one of those. Right. You know, I mean, you can't say Bob Dylan can do no wrong. Yeah. He's done some wrong. Yes. But he's also like, he's Bob Dylan. Yeah, yeah. Same with Springsteen. Yeah. Same with all, you know, the most, our, our most heroic figures. Yes. Paul McCartney's yeah. done some crap. Right. You know? Well, and his insp- uh, uh, But unfortunately, he's Paul McCartney every single day. He really is. And he keeps like, his last album was like, that's as good as anything he's yep. done as a solo artist. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, remarkable. Yeah. So. And again- and I don't think I'm speaking out of school here. Uh, a, 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 a feather in the cap of marijuana usage. Yes, uh, <laughs> again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think that's any secret, but, no, you know. No, But, I but think to circle- keep that level of quality over all those years is really something. Yeah, the circle jerk with John. That yeah. was a secret. <laughs> but not anymore. So I, we got to say a mazel tov on that. Yes, joke, exactly. Right? Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a feather in the cap of circle jerks, too. <laughs> 
Although I don't want uh, the, the the cap is circle jerks yeah, cap. I don't yeah, really no, want to no, no, don't go there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and your mom uh, was a librarian. That's right. Well, she was. Uh, she didn't have a, a job per se, except yeah. like you know, as as a mom, which is the hardest job in the world. Right. To to use the cliche that happens to be completely true. Um, but she, when I was in high school. I guess my second year in high school, she started working in the in the the office mm-hmm. just because she, you know, my little brother was going to school. It's like everybody was kind of busy, so Keep she started, an eye on yeah, you. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that at the time, but yeah. And it, after a year or so, she became the librarian, the high school librarian. She kept that job for a long time. Oh wow! Yeah, it was neat. I always loved librarians. The oh, librarians the at school, yeah, absolutely. They were like my best. Well, not you know my best grown up friends. Not, yeah, you know my. Well, we had a great kind of prototypical um, uh, or stereotypical, I guess, librarian in my hometown in Seacliff, Mrs. Rohrbach, Mm -hmm. I believe was her name. And she was that spinster who lived with her mom, you know, her aged mother. Yeah. And very prim and hair in a bun and everything. And just, and she was awesome. Yeah. Because you'd, you know, it was just that kind of like, very doerly saying, hmm. Well, if you like this, I can suggest. You know, it's it was that kind of relationship, yeah, the yeah. small town thing. Right. It was really nice. Yeah, and uh, yeah. And you, uh, how many siblings do you have? Do you have- I, I have none anymore. But my my sister died last year. She was older, and my brother, who was quite a bit younger, has been gone for about fifteen years. Oh, now. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, as he put it, one million cigarettes later. Oh, so, yeah. You know, cigarettes. Good, good guy, oh, funny guy. Cigarettes. Too. I know. They're- Somebody asked me on uh, just. Stab interview the other day. What, what advice would you give your younger self? You know, I said I to all the younger selves out there, skip cigarettes. Yeah, give, give them a pass. Did you, you know? smoke? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I did too. I smoked for when I was very young, fourteen yeah. through twenty-five, anyway, and then yeah. quit. You know, and occasionally I would go back and say, "Oh, this is still addictive. Let's not do that anymore." Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I have experienced that because I quit for good in two thousand and one. Uh-huh. And I will have occasionally, and it's usually like in periods of duress in my mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Somebody's, and I'm just like, yeah, give me one of those. And I, it, all it takes is one for me to realize, oh, this is, it's right there. Yeah. The monster is right there yeah, yeah. waiting to be satiated again. Well, I, the last time I smoked was on a, a movie set when I was doing um, uh, the, the, uh, the Lone Gunman, uh-huh. the not terribly well-remembered, uh, you know, spinoff of uh, X-Files. Oh, oh, right. And we were doing one. I, was, I lit up a cigarette and I just thought, eh, boy, does this not work? And I got really sick. Yeah. And I think it was maybe psychological. It was like, you know, all those- Was it a real cigarette or one yeah, of those it was a real cigarette. cigarettes? And now yeah. I, I actually uh, shot another scene a few years after that. And I insisted on the herbal kind. Yeah. And it, the smoke doesn't look good on, on yeah. it's not heavy. Yeah, yeah. So they actually wound up snipping the scene because this, it was kind of smoke centric, the, 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 the moment. Yeah. So they cut the scene and said, you know, we just never got it good. Yeah. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I can't. I, no. I had to do a bit for uh, Samantha B's show. Yeah, uh, that was sort of like a, a, a all the president's men deep throat parody in a in a parking garage. But they up and I was the deep throat, and they updated it with a uh, a vape, like a disposable <laughs> yeah, vape. Yeah, yeah. And they wanted one that had a glowing end, and the only way that you do that is to get a real. 
nicotine one. Yeah. So yeah. over multiple takes, I just, you know, and it's, it's got to work. And so yeah. it's just like, I just, it was, I was vibrating for like the entire day, just from, you know, however many years of no nicotine to yeah. all of a sudden. I can't even imagine. Repeated takes of oh, just, man. you know. Well, I used a, 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 a vape cigar that looks exactly like a cigar uh-huh. when we were rehearsing Little Foxes oh, a couple okay. of years ago. I did, we used a, an herbal one on stage, yeah. and they stink, but not as bad as they used to. Right. I did. And uh, it isn't as bothersome. I mean, because I've never had those herbal cigarettes, those sort of yeah. fake cigarettes. It's I mean, just when you're in the third row and you go, oh, okay. Because yeah, it, it kind of yeah. takes you out of the thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, in, do you have memories of, of living in Manhattan? Like when you were? Very vague memories. And, and, and I was so young that I think the memories are really made up of other people. Yes. Like my parents telling me something. I have something plenty of that, those. Yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah, never yeah. know. But, uh, I, I have this memory and again, it's like, I've, I've heard it anecdotally, but I think I felt it. There was a guy named Keys who was the um, handyman in the building. Uh, this is, you know, superintendent's handyman in the building we lived in, in yeah. uh, you know, 116th, whatever it was. And um, uh, he gave me a ride in his wheelbarrow. They were rebuilding a kind of, some kind of wall, doing yeah. cinder blocks and stuff. And he gave me a ride in his, uh, in his wheelbarrow. And my mother has told me that story, but I kind of think I remember it. Yeah, yeah. I kind of remember that thing. Am I, am I being tipped too much? Is this just doing right, nobody's right. doing? You know? But it's <laughs> should what, I be really getting in a man named Keys's <laughs> wheelbarrow? Why, why did he ask me if I like gladiator movies? <laughs> Get in the wheelbarrow, son. Don't ask questions. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. The, today's lens that we probably your mother wouldn't be like. Yeah, go ahead, getting Keys wheelbarrow. <laughs> Well, listen, when I was 14, my friends and I would go into New York City alone. Yeah. 14 years old. Yeah, uh, yeah. Get on the uh, on the bus, catch the bus in Glen Cove, take you to Long Island City, then take the subway in. Yeah. Really? And where'd we go? We'd go to 42nd Street. Oh, you know, really? we just walk around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Just hang out? You'd, there was no- We would hang out. We yeah. would go in. There were great record stores then. Oh, yeah. And the things were simpler back then. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, but you'd go there and you just, you know, if you had a lot of money, which we never did, you know, you'd go up to, uh, what's, what was the name of that place? Not Sam Goody. The place- Harmony? Uh, no, the- no, uh, not Harmony. It was on uh, Broadway and um, Colony. Uh-huh. Yeah, com- that's what colony. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were in business until just five years ago. Right. And sheet music, too. <laughs> yeah, 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 all that stuff. But we had, you know, we just, hey, you got this single here. It was like buying singles and stuff. Yeah. It was just fun. And when I got a little older, we'd go down to the village and hang out at, uh, you know, the Folklore Center, hoping that Bob Dylan would walk in, <laughs> which he never did. <laughs> was it, was, did that the sort of thing that, like, did you know that he might... Oh yeah, Drop yeah. In, well, yeah. my friends and I. I were, mean, I don't know what the Folklore Center is. Folklore Center was a, it was run by a guy named Izzy Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the second floor. It was at Sixth um, uh, Avenue, I think. But it was down in the village, mm-hmm. and uh, there were all these guitars. It was like McCabe's now, but like a, right. a larger showroom, McCabe's. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And people would just come in, and you pull something off the wall, and you play all day if you want, and you get oh, into wow. conversations, you know. And, so we would go there we'd, for hours and yeah. just people like, like us, other 14-year-old boys would come in, yeah. you know, and, you know, buy some, uh, buy a, a capo or something right. and just hang out for yeah. six hours. Um, 
Yeah. One time, uh, my friend says, it's Pete Seeger. And I said, oh, Pete Seeger. He looks up, he says, no, no, Pete Siegel from the Even Dozen Jug Band. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, that, yeah. That oh, yeah. Well, that's, okay, yeah. He's a hell of a banjo. Mandolin. 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 Yeah. Wow, wow. <laughs> Let me get his autograph. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. Um, so music was a part of your life from a very early yeah. age then. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that, you think it was because your dad's influence, was your mother musical too? or um, No, not really. She loved, she loved music, yeah. you know. Um, but I always, there was always music going on, a lot of jazz, which I, of course, didn't get into until in my late 30s, really. Is that because it was dad's I thing? I think so. Yeah. yeah, it was dad's thing. And also, when I was seven or eight, that's when rock and roll first started being called rock and roll. Yeah. And I had heard some R&B stuff, you know, my some you know, some really kind of rock and stuff, the mm-hmm. you know, blues stuff. Um, but, uh, the songs like, uh, Shake, Rattle and Roll by mm-hmm. Big Joe Williams and then Elvis happened and then yeah. it was sort of like, ah, okay, that puts everything into this one thing. And then the kind of explosion. And it was that kind of thing you have when you're seven where you, I wish I was a teenager. Yeah. I'd give anything to be a teenager yeah, right yeah. now because I, but when I was a teenager, it was okay too. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of other crap happening. It was oh, very I, good. I can't, I, the notion of being a teenager now, it seems like a. Punishment. <laughs> uh, just, yeah. You see eighth grade? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's a wonderful movie. Yeah. And I think she did a great job. And I think it's like the fact that that was actually written, as it, it, it feels so improvised. Right. That that was really right. a scripted film done by really, you know, with yeah. concision. And that was, it was really remarkable. I really liked it. But my daughter, who was an eighth grader, was like, it's not accurate. Well, so I don't, you'll you always know. get that. Yes, yeah. I know. I mean, I, I met a guy who had been a hustler, uh, a, a male hustler on 42nd Street. Yeah. And he, t- <laughs> he said, yeah, Midnight Cowboy, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> that wasn't your experience? <laughs> <laughs> no Ratso Rizzos in yeah. your life? Yeah. And, and, you know, the same pe- people who were in Vietnam will tell yeah, you that, yeah, yeah. that all of your favorite Vietnam right, right, stories right. are bullshit. Yes. And, and I think eighth grade is very much like Vietnam for a lot of kids. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, thinking back, I mean, I just, and I'll, like, I, I've, I've told my daughter this. I said, the thing I just hated about childhood was that everybody could tell you what to do. Just sure. everybody could tell Every you what to do. Every yep. adult outranked you. Yes. Yeah. And they could just, and I just, even from a young age, the, the outrage that I felt about that. Sure. And I, I it didn't turn into any kind of rebel. I just no. kind of turned into a mumbling smartass, you but know. But also, there, are, there were a lot of different types. I mean, there were people, there were adults who told you what to do because they kind of had to because it was kind of their job. Sure. And there were other people who just knew that I'm bigger than you. Yeah. And you're going to do what I say yeah, or yeah. I'll tell your mother and yeah. whatever, you know. What kind of kid were you? <clears throat> I was I was lazy yeah. And yeah, I wasn't really not a good student. N- oh, oh, well, I was good in some stuff. I yeah, you yeah. know, it was English and, and the stuff you cared about. Yeah, exactly. That's I was the same Couldn't way. Couldn't do the math. Yeah, Couldn't do me the math. neither. They have I think they're it's at my high school it's called the uh, the Michael McKeon uh, Memorial <laughs> Pass. Now, when you can, when you get to a certain uh, degree of algebra yeah. and you still haven't passed it, you've taken 3 times and they keep <laughs> finding, all right, now you're in track 3B. Yeah, so, yeah. So 
you know. So they had they finally they passed me with a fifty eight. Oh, so really? I was no, I'm really an Just idiot. Just to get you out. Oh wow! And then years later, thirty years later, I started doing basic com- computing, you know, basic uh-huh. uh, programming. Yeah, and I thought, oh, this is algebra. <laughs> <laughs> if they had told me it like would help me make a dancing mouse on yeah. my screen, yeah. then yeah, okay. I remember in uh, middle school being terrible at math, hating it, hating The homework was like kryptonite. I couldn't even, you know, stomach right, doing right. it. And then when we would get to in there in sections, and I remember there was a there was a progress board like for each section of it, how we all did. And I was always kind of, you know, near the middle bottom. Right. And then when it got to word problems, I was top. Yeah. Like if they could just all the math, if you just put it into words, I would be, I I could get it. Sure. And I could figure it out. But that's where, that's where you really started. Yeah. Because it's like, well, this is what I do. And this is what I love to, this is what I understand. It's what I love to do. Yeah. It's like people say, well, I'm that you, well, you're not a gamer, are you? And I'm not a gamer. I just, I stink at it. Yeah. And, and it's like, I can't even watch other people play for more than a little bit. Right. It's just not, not interesting to me. But they say, but I play word games. I play, you mm-hmm. know, Scrabble and Word Welder and all that stuff, yeah. you know, and it's that's kind of where my level of amusement is. Yeah. And also, I think, too, you know, the, the manual dexterity that gaming does, you play guitar. It's a similar sort of yeah. thing where you're, you know, and it is, you know, music is kind of math, too. It's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> my English teacher was also our drama coach in yeah. high school. He told me, he says, well, look, now someday, I know you're having trouble in math. And they, he, they kept calling on him to, would you do something about it? You got to graduate <laughs> him somehow, you know? Yeah, yeah. He says, well, look, maybe you'll someday you'll play a, a, a mathematician. And I just k- k- nailed him with a look and he went, yeah, you're right. That's <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bruce Mooney. Yeah. Yeah. He you can awesome. just fake it. You don't need to know. You just say the lines. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I mean, but you were, were you like a good kid? You were not a troublemaker? Oh, yeah. Maker. I think so. I yeah, think yeah. so. I don't think I was very good to my little brother. Yeah. Because as I was getting older and more sophisticated, he was still a little kid. You what know? was the age difference? Seven years. Oh, okay. So it was, we were never in the same school together, or, yeah. you know, all that stuff. And uh, I, I think I was just... I probably wasn't a great big brother. Yeah. I, it was my intention to be. Yeah. But he was such a pain in the ass. Uh-huh. Like all little brothers are. That's what that's their job. I, but um, it's, <laughs> it's, I, there's, there is something I, <laughs> I mean, and I still feel just terrible about this. But when I was my, I have a younger brother, they're my half brother and sister. They're nine years younger than me. Yeah. And when they were about, five or six, they were running, chasing each other in a circuit through the house. And I was sitting on the couch watching TV and they passed me once and they passed me twice. And on the third time I stuck my leg out and tripped both of them. And they looked at me with like this horror of like, why would you do that? And I had no answer. I was like, I don't even know, but you just kept running by and the meanness came out, you know? Well, we- It was pretty funny, though. It's, I'm sure it was scratch. <laughs> Nothing funnier. Yeah. No, come on. But, I mean, about 10 minutes ago, we answered that question. You were bigger than them. Yeah. And you were being a prick about it. <laughs> That's just right. a second. Yep, yep. No, I did the same thing yeah. with, uh, with my brother. 
Did you? I mean, but you, you made up for it later. You, yeah. You were, oh, you, yeah, yeah. You yeah, had yeah. a good relationship later. No, he was a he was an odd guy. He was great. He he uh, he lived in Austin, Texas. Oh wow. He moved out to L.A., didn't love it here. Yeah. So then he moved to Austin, Texas with his boyfriend and started getting involved in uh, – he'd always been very funny. And uh, so he got involved with a troupe called uh, Esther's Follies, mm-hmm. which are still going on 6th Street. And uh, he was a satirist. He, w- he would do political satire. He would write satirical songs. He would do sketches and stuff like that. Oh, wow. And it was kind of a vaudeville show. They'd also have jugglers and they'd have drag acts and stuff. It's, it's still, yeah. they were a lot of fun. But they were very Texas politics. It was the years of, uh, of Ann Richards and, yeah. and the Bushes. And, you know, it was really kind of a ripe time. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So dude. there's two, two sort of... <laughs> Musical comedians in the family. Yeah, sort of. Was your sister a performer at nope. all? Or, yeah, no, no. She uh, she became a mom at a very early age. Yeah, yeah. And left it to you guys to be the performers. She didn't, you know, d- deliberately hand it off. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I mean, as you said, your drama teacher. Obviously, you were. You knew what your track was. You were yeah. set on being an actor. Yeah, and um, this same guy, this Mr. Mooney, he said, you know, someday you might have to make a choice about whether you're a good actor, a real actor, mm-hmm. actor, or a comical actor. Yeah. And again, I, I mean, I didn't quite know what to say, but I thought about it, and then I said, well, what's Alan Arkin? Because he can do both. He can do yeah. anything. Yeah. And he's one of the funniest people who's ever acted at all. Right. You know? And I realized that those 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 two extremes aren't really extremes mm-hmm. at all. They're the same craft and the same chore. Yeah. And it's the same thing with songwriters. My favorite songwriters can break your heart or they can break you up. Yeah. Randy Newman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Noel Coward. Yeah. Funniest songwriter of the 20th century, yeah. probably. Well, apart yeah. from Tom Lehrer. Cole Porter, too. Cole Porter, amazing. Willie Nelson. Loudon Wainwright. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Or John Prine. John Prine. Oh, yeah, my yeah, God. Yeah. Perfect example. Yeah, yeah. John Prine. Richard Thompson. Do you know Richard Thompson? Mm-hmm. I sure do. Great, great songwriter. From uh, Fairport Convention? He was originally yeah, yeah. at Fairport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was yeah. 19, he was playing like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I always am... I'm put off by musical acts that don't, and you they can be serious, but you just sense the ones that don't have any sense of humor about themselves. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I, and, and like for one, U2 has always been lost on me. And mm-hmm. I think it's largely because of that. There just yeah. doesn't seem to be anything but this profound self-seriousness. Doesn't seem I'm, like there's any wiggle room. Yeah, and it just yeah. is kind of like, if you're not having fun, what do you do? <laughs> I mean, that's my, yeah. that's, that's my showbiz, you know, that's like my kind of like my beef with lots of areas of showbiz is you, you're, and I, cause I haven't done a lot of drama, but yeah. I've done a couple of TV dramas and it was, I was really struck by the kind of atmosphere of like, mm, that we got to keep it serious. And it's kind of like. <laughs> we did this thing on Clue. Because uh, Clue only works if everyone takes it very seriously. Yes, So yes. you get a bunch of funny people being and very serious. That is such a huge it's, cult movie. It's, it's a very funny so movie. So many people love that movie. But we kept doing it because we, we're just, you know, me and Mull. Yeah, yeah. And Chris Lloyd and Tim. Yeah. And, and the amazing ladies, man. Yeah, oh, holy yeah. Holy shit. And uh, with Eileen and, and Madeline, and, and Madeline. Yeah. great yeah. Madeline, and we would just we would just be kind of just digging life and laughing and stuff. And poor 
poor Tim had like five pages of straight monologue that yeah. he had to remember. So every now and then he had to say, quiet people, please. <laughs> but, you know, when it was on somebody else, he was as goofy as anybody. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Greatest. So, but what we would have to do, because we'd all be laughing and everything, and then Jonathan Lynn would say, uh, uh, all right, we're ready to go. And then we'd say to each other, something terrible has happened. <laughs> that became the Just mantra. Get, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been a murder, a real murder. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you got to do that some. But on the other thing, having a sense of humor about yourself is like hugely important. Yeah. And uh, uh, Angus Young of ACDC, mm -hmm. I read a great, great quote from him recently. He said, I hate it when people say we've made 17 albums that sound exactly the same. We've made 18 albums that sound exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's great. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And they all sound great, too. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. It's easy, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love the fact that they had the worst singer in the world and he died and they found someone worse. I know. I think that I is know. amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't change a thing. I know. No. And I can't, and how either one of them ever was able to speak after one concert. Oh, God. Uh, just shredding their yeah. voice, yeah. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a grow? Now, was there a point where you decided I'm going to be an actor more than a musician because obviously no. they were sort of a twin <coughs> yeah. interest and, I, I, and you are both now, you know, when trapped into it, I am. Yeah. Both. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know really. I mean, yeah. I knew that I could write songs Yeah. because I started writing songs when I was in high school and I wound up the first piece of music that I ever wrote for um, professionally yeah. was for a product called Xanadu which was a Fabergé. Uh, I thought the roller disco movie. No, no. Well, long, but this was 1969. Okay, wow. This is, yeah, a long time. 
Uh, and it was it was a Fabergé product. It was a, a, a scent of some kind, yeah. either a cologne or a perfume. Body spray. Yeah. And they had written the copy for me. They had written this poem called Xanadu, and I wrote the music to it. Yeah. And you, would you like to hear a little bit of it? Sure, of course. You just imagine like a lot of percussion, a lot of like beaded curtains. Shit. Nice. Yeah. In Xanadu, we Xanadu it. Come and share my pleasure dome. <laughs> Flying high, will me and you it. Sipping from the honeycomb. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I know you're All not. The ancient, I did write the music. All the ancient games we'll play while we make them sweet and new. Terry something. Terry? Yeah. Jesus. Get Mary, Terry, dream away. Yeah. Everything's big percussion in Xanadu. <laughs> well, the mel- the melody is lovely. Thank you. But but I <laughs> well, I would I cannot imagine hearing that and thinking I want to smell like whatever that is. <laughs> because good lord. Old time just- advertising from I, I mean there's still Funny, corny ones, but <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ, oh some of God. them are just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That that was like that. That wasn't considered. Yeah, like laughable because yeah. it's so. You know hilarious. what was laughable? I got two hundred dollars for it. How now? How did that happen? How did you end up being I, a jingle writer? I don't know. Were I you think out of college friend, or? I was. Uh, I think I was out of college. I just finished. I went to NYU for two years. Yeah. And then I kind of farted around for a little while in Long Island, and then I went to, to L.A. in 1970. Okay. So uh, I guess it was – I was out of college and uh, just, you know, doing – and I these things would come to me. You know, my father had friends in the business. Yeah. I didn't have an agent exactly, but I had people who would say, hey, you know, your kid Michael could be able to do this maybe. Oh, wow. So – Because he was still – he just had enough advertising friends at that point that he – or well, had he, was, he gone back? Oh, into, he was back in music business. He was back in. Uh, he was at uh, Columbia. For, oh, okay. Uh, good stretch of time. There yeah, until yeah. The mid seventies. Um, yeah. So, but he had all these friends that he had met along the way. Yeah. There's a guy named John McClure, whose uh, wife was a session singer, uh-huh. and he got me involved in singing like a, 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 a an LP of kids songs of nursery nursery rhymes with some other singers and stuff. So that's how I got my. $800 to come out here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And I never never really went back. Never really went back. I, Didn't you go to Carnegie Mellon too? For, I did. Yeah. And yeah. it was at, did you? That was 65, 66. And was that, so you went two years there and two years? No, in, one year, just one year. Oh, just one year. One year there. Yeah. yeah. They asked me not to come back. <laughs> um, well, you yeah, Pittsburgh, you got to get to Pittsburgh at some point. Pittsburgh's gotten a lot better at the I know, time. That's it was what I've heard. Really, really, you know, very sooty city. Well, Carnegie Mellon's an amazing school. Yeah, I, it is. I did a, like a college date there yeah. years and years ago. And I was, honestly, the sort of like just the, the auditorium where I was at, like the technology involved oh, in yeah. that auditorium, was better than our TV show. Well, that they that started. I was only there for one year, like I said. Yeah. And, and is that in in acting? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Are, are they known as an acting school? Oh my God. Oh, I didn't know oh, that. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 A lot of people, you know, like because um, I think of it now as such a technical school because it's all of the all the Hill Street Blues people. A lot of them came from there. Wow. Because uh, Charlie Hayde and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Bochco, the the creator of the show. Oh, really? You know, and he put a lot of his pals in there. You yeah, know, and uh, started them up. David Lance, where I met Dave Lander. You know, oh, okay. We were both uh, we were both acting students. Wow. Yeah. 
So did, were you guys, did you come as a package deal to, or did it just happen? What do you mean? As, like at Laverne and Shirley, like. Well, we, the two of us were part of another group called The Credibility Gap with uh-huh. Harry Shearer. Yes. And Richard Beebe. Yes. And <clears throat> we put a couple of albums out and we did, played the college circuit playing, you know, what they called coffee houses, yeah. which was usually kind of a roped off section of the cafeteria yes. that they kept open after eight. <laughs> and uh, Glamour. You know, yeah. I'll tell you. And uh, yeah, and uh, so that we were together, but those two characters, we had done those two characters uh, since we met pretty much. Yeah. Because we both had, we both went to public school in, right. you know, and in, in, uh, him in, in uh, the Bronx and yeah. me on Long Island. So and you knew, you knew those guys. Kind of guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, that's kind of that, how that came yeah. came to be. Now, when you, were you studying acting at NYU too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. At NYU, I got kind of like a little more serious about it. I think being in New York kind of helped mm-hmm. because you were able to actually go places and see people doing big boy theater. You yes. Know? And, uh, and I imagine you're being taught by professionals that are also somewhat involved yeah. in the you know, this, this is very true. At, at the actual doing of it, at Carnegie, there were more people who were kind of on the academic side. Yeah, couple of couple of rogues. You know, one of our uh, one of our acting teachers was a really definitely kind of a, you know, real guy who just knew his onions. A lot of other people were just pretty good at teaching it. Mm-hmm. But at NYU, I had Olympia Dukakis. I had oh, wow. Peter Cass, who was a great stage director and yeah. a teacher. <clears throat> um, Hubby Burgess, who was the our circus teacher, who circus went on circus teacher. Yeah, we took circus classes, like juggling and juggling, balancing trapeze, things on your chin. Just kind of yeah, <laughs> trapeze, but no, not flying trapeze, but just trapeze with holds and stuff. And, yeah, um, yeah, unicycle I could never master. Yeah, I could juggle a little bit. Guest was pretty good on the on the. Uh, that's where I met Chris. Was at yeah. NYU. He was pretty good with the juggling. And is it now uh, while you're doing that? Are you thinking when am I ever going to use circus skills? Or are you just thinking it's fun and um, what the hell? I don't. I'm not sure. I've really put all that together <laughs> yet. I've still never done anything. I, you know what? I used a little bit of juggling on the Vernon Shirley one time. Yeah, but there were people. Peter Scolari is a pal of mine, and he's <clears throat> a serious juggler. Yeah, I mean yeah. he's a pro juggler. Right, he's amazing. But uh, no, not so much. Yeah, I, because I took some. I took a couple of straight acting classes yeah. as opposed to improv. And there was a lot of stuff that I just, like I always remember, and I think <clears> I've mentioned <throat> it on here before, uh, Charles Grodin wrote his first book, uh, which is, I think it's called, it's, it would be so be nice so if nice you were here. Yeah, yes. yeah. And, and, I, and I just always remember that his experience with acting class was that he would he was just a pariah because he would go why like they'd say yeah. let's do this and he'd say why why yeah. why are we yeah. doing that what does that have to do with you know memorizing lines yeah. and yeah. and selling emotions and <clears throat> and I can kind of relate to that because yeah. I yeah I mean but I but also too I that wasn't you know becoming. A stage actor was right. Obvi- it just wasn't. I thought maybe, but then I ended up. I went to film school, and I ended up being right. No, right. I wanted to be an actor, but I wanted to be a film actor, which yeah. is a different sort of. I mean, there's there's a lot less technique, I think, in yeah. film acting. You can just kind of 
wing it in film acting. Well, before I came out here, I think all I wanted to do was stage acting. Yeah. Because, you know, I thought, well, there's going to be a lot of competition. All these people look like movie stars, and I really don't. Yeah. And uh, Oh, come on. No. Well, I'm not fishing. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and, and I thought, I think I want to be a stage. I can be all kinds of people. You can, you know, I just yeah. seen, I just seen Christopher Plummer in two things in a row. One of them, he played an Aztec Indian chief. Mm -hmm. And another one, he was like a sophisticated English guy doing, and I'm going, that's what I wanted. I want to do what he does. I want to yeah. do what Arkin does. I want to do what, what, um, um, well, there are just tons of them. You know? Yeah, yeah. Jason Robards was one of my great heroes. And he was always pretty much the same. Yeah, yeah he yeah, was. He yeah. was always Jason Robards. Yeah, and that's all you wanted. Well, be. I, well yeah, I just yeah. you thought, man. Well, sure. If I was Jason Robards, right, I right. would be the happiest man in the world. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not, so I got to think of what what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, but that's all I kind of really wanted to do. And then I got out here, and it was like, still, I was just still on the stage, and you know, kind of as a cabaret guy, and on yeah. the or on the radio. Yeah. Because credibility gap did a ton of radio. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, did you, was your family, because you didn't obviously finish school. Didn't finish college. And no. did you, and I mean, was that a scary thing for you? Was it just, no. or did you just feel I like. I think I'd had enough school. Yeah, yeah. And I loved uh, my teacher, this guy named Omar Shapley, at, uh, who had, was original member of the Compass Players, which oh, came yeah. before Second City. In Second City, City right. Yeah. And so he was, he was a guy who knew his onions and had a great sense of humor. Yeah. And. We did exercises that that you know on the on the surface, they seemed like you got to play by the rules, right? And everyone took that to be kind of a thing where you bear down on the rules, but every time one of us wise guys would take it into a funny direction, he would love it. Yeah, he would eat it up. He yeah, would say, yeah. "Look, that's improvisation too. You didn't exactly break the rules. You didn't break the fourth wall." But you slid under this person's tag, <laughs> and I gotta admire you for yeah, it. You know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think that was definitely a, a, a great lesson. Yeah. But for the most part, it's like you get out here, and it's like, no, no, I'm a you know performer. But what, what do I what do I really do? And they start giving you parts, and you start doing those parts. Why now? Why did you choose L.A. over if you had wanted to be a stage actor? It was 11 degrees when I left JFK, <laughs> uh, and it was. 64 degrees when I got here. Wow. What year February, was that? February 11th, 1970. Wow. And my friend, uh, my friend Dave Lander's wife, Taya, picked me up at the airport in her little Nash Metro. Uh huh. And she stuck a lit joint in my mouth <laughs> and said, This is where you live now. And I said, I think you're right. <laughs> All right. Well, when you put it like that, it seems <laughs> to make sense. So did you couch surf for that's a while? How they, or? That's how they uh, greet you in Austin now. Yes. Just so right, you know. right, right. Yeah. Did you couch surf for a while or did you have a, you know? No, well, I, I stayed at a, I sublet from a friend who mm -hmm. was in uh, in Hawaii doing yeah. Fortune in Men's Eyes. Okay. Just to fill you in on all the details. Yes. <laughs> so I stayed there for a little while. It was me and my new girlfriend who became my first wife mm -hmm. and uh, my another friend who we had just met, a very tall man named Malcolm who lived in our back room. Okay. He was very, very nice. And yeah. He played guitar too. So we had a little, you know, guitar going, a little nice. guitar action. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's where I was for a little while. I started working with the Credibility Gap on a, you know, sometimes basis. Yeah. Then they got to KPBC uh, and which was, it's now KROQ. That's their, you know, it's 106.7. Yeah. I believe that was KPBC. 
And um, yeah, we so we worked on the radio a bunch, and oh, we started wow. making a little bit of money. Not on a regular basis, you, yeah. the credibility gap. The credibility you your own, on every day. Oh wow! Uh, they were on KRLA radio in uh, for two years. And who was that? That was Harry Shearer. Yeah. Richard Beebe, yeah. who was kind of the oldest member in years, and also uh, he had been at the station. What, what happened was, station KRLA had this news department, and there was this guy named Lou Irwin, and another guy named Tom, oh, these names, anyway, first the knees, then the names. Right, right, sure. That's a John Glover quote. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and uh, 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 Len Chandler, who was a folk singer, uh-huh. and they kind of did this news thing. And then Harry came aboard, and uh, Harry was sort of like, oh, maybe something more than this. Maybe let's like write some really good sketches, and, right? You know, because Harry came from you know radio as a kid. Yeah. And uh, then David L. Lander got hired because he worked on a uh, um, he worked on a an answering service, something they don't have anymore. Yeah. Before we had little machines. I remember uh, there was answering services, yeah. and people would call and say, "Yes," and he leaves he left a message, and it's very important that you call back at this number. Not that time. you know, it was a person that you had kind of a relationship. With. Yeah. So one of his clients was uh, this woman named Sally Smaller, who just became a pal. And so you're really funny. You should audition for this show. So he sent in a tape and he got hired by the credit. Oh, lady. wow. So those people, Sally Smaller. Oh, Remember that's those great. people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember Ron Silver, the guy who turned down a part in a TV movie and the part went to me and I wound up working with Annette O'Toole for the first time. Oh, wow. And yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm still delightedly still, suffering from that. <laughs> still, <laughs> from that still grateful to him. Oh, yeah, my yeah. God. Every time I saw him after that. Yeah. Lovely guy. Yeah, that's know? great. That's great. So um, was it hard to come up with sketches every day? I mean, how much time did you have to fill? Uh, well, <laughs> they kept cutting it down. Uh, you know, we were doing, we did a six-minute broadcast, we did a 10-minute broadcast. They wanted to get everything down to three minutes. Uh-huh. But it would be, it was like, you know, we'd find a news story that was ripe for something or not so ripe and we'd just make something up. Yeah. If there was a story about a strike, a, a picket line, yeah. we would uh, do a sketch uh, with the characters called the Three Scabs. Uh-huh. And they were all, you know, <laughs> it was exactly what you think. Right, A lot right. of sound effects right. and everything. sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's kind of what they would do. Sam Yorty was the mayor of Los Angeles at the time, and yeah. he was this complete bozo. I mean, it just <laughs> he, he was a real case for study. And Harry just did, he did a great Yorty, uh, uh-huh. a great Yorty. <laughs> so they do these great sketches, yeah, you know, and uh, and Nixon and Agnew, you know, yeah, yeah. Harry did a brilliant Nixon, and uh, and Richard Beebe did a great Agnew, and you know, it was really. It was really fun times to be doing satire. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you'd have to make decisions really quickly. Yeah. You know, and sometimes the first sketch I ever wrote with them, and I came in as a guest with, you know, with Dave. He was, hey, come on, work a day. You get a, you know, you join the union, you get that, da, da, Because I wasn't even an after at the time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> how, how long is this after you've come to L.A.? Uh, minutes. Wow. Because uh, David, 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 I was on the phone with him. He says, yeah, A, I got married, and B, if you come out here, I think I can, you can work Get with you on the radio. On this show, yeah. yeah. I think you're really, I've been told the guys are bad, they're hyped about you, you know, all this stuff. <clears throat> so I went and I did a day and I had a really great time and uh, laughed a lot. Yeah. And Harry was the fastest typist I'd ever seen. <clears throat> Excuse me. The fastest typist I'd ever, I'd ever seen. So you, we would just kind of like go. Yeah. And we'd just make fun of whatever we wanted to make fun of, you know, that was <laughs> more or less about the story. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Harry would, would fly it in there and then we'd, we'd get up and we'd do it. 
Wow. And put it on tape. It was really fun. And that and how long were you at the station every day? Um, well, we'd get there kind of 10-ish or yeah. so. Have the first show on by noon probably or – Maybe it was a later in the day show, and they yeah. would yeah they would rerun them during the day. So right. it was like last night's show would be on. Right. <clears throat> so I went there, and there was a story about how everyone's depressed in Cleveland, uh, or in Detroit because I'm in unemployment. Da 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 da. Yeah. And uh, the team is stinks up the place. You know whatever was going on. So we just had a bunch of guys sitting around in a bar in Detroit talking about how terrible Cleveland is. Just like, <laughs> Cleveland is so terrible. And it was literally that. Right. You know, and, uh, and so I got a couple of laughs from the guys and it went into the script and it went on the air and I felt famous. That's great. It was awesome. That's wonderful. Yeah. And that's amazing that you like, well, I mean, it's nice to have people that you know here, but yeah. to come here and immediately start to feel some sort of creative vitality because- yeah. Well, you know, one of the questions, I mean, it's a question that I always think about with performers, especially in there, and that's when I moved to L.A., right. is are there doubts? Are there moments where you feel like, oh, I don't know if, I, if I'm going to pull this off? I think maybe doubt is my fallback. <laughs> Oh, yeah? Yeah, but I don't, but so much that I don't even notice it anymore. Oh, wow. You know, it, it's, I, I, I've i been able to handle pretty much everything. Yeah. Uh, because I am I know enough not to go near stuff I couldn't do. Yeah. I w they wanted me to read for a part one time, and it's one of the only times I've ever gone in for a, you know, been offered, a, you know, a, a shot at a part with an artist I really, really liked. Yeah. A director in this case. And I read the part and it was, it was something I just could not do. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not going to, I'd love to meet you. And, you know, and cause, uh, but I don't want to be a tease about this. It was a, a guy who molests his own son. Ah. And I said, I, I, I don't think I can do this. Yeah. I, and it was just, is that level of doubt. It's not, it's just knowledge about yourself. Yeah. Uh, I don't generally go to doubt, just like I don't go to regret, because I think they're both useless. Yeah, yeah. You know, the only thing you do is fall forward. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good. I mean, it's it's not, well, I, I guess, too, because you enjoyed that success early on, you know. Mm -hmm. I, or, I mean, and not, you know, it, it, <clears throat> but at least, because it's, you know, this town is... The weather's nice, but it can be mean, you know? Yeah, I mean, and you spend so much time in your car. Yeah. Alone. Yeah, you know? yeah. And you don't encounter anybody else. Yeah. In New York, man, if you're doing a show in New York and you get off the subway and you walk into your theater, you meet five people, yeah. you know, who are in other shows. Yeah, you get, yeah. Oh, he's going over the, the, you know, the Brooks Atkinson. And yeah. I'm going down here to the Neil Simon and just, it's like, you, you, there you are, full, you can see who's, who's, you know, had enough of this show they're doing. You can see who's between shows and I'm just walking with so-and-so. You know, yeah. it's like, it's a society you're in. Yeah. And here travel is is solo, yeah. more or less. Unless uh -huh. you carpool, which yeah. is a good thing. Now, uh, at about this time, how soon did you get married after you came out here the first time? About eight months. Eight months, yes, wow. Yes, I was very young. I was, I was a week short of my 23rd birthday. Wow. And Susan was 18. Wow. Yeah. Different times. Different times indeed. Yeah. yeah. Were you engaged when you moved out here? Nope. Or did you? No, wow. No, no. Yeah. <clears throat> no, she was a girl I had met uh, at the O'Neill Theater uh -huh. uh, in uh, in Connecticut. 
Um, she was kind of a townie, a summer townie, because mm-hmm. she lived in Orange County. So <clears throat> we just, you know, it just eventually kind of happened. And yeah. And we stayed married for 22 years. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. you started a family? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How soon after? Um, a while. We waited a while. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah. And then uh, now I'm on my final wife, which is <laughs> how I put it. And Does she I, love to hear that? I, I don't think, if she's hearing this now, it might be. I think I've referred to her as my final wife once before. In front of her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, babe, <laughs> you know, I'm turning 72 in, in three weeks. Yeah. So, you know. You're, yeah. You look pretty goddamn look good 71. for 72. No, you don't. <laughs> I'd say you look, you know, 70. So Robert Benchley used to say this, and this was not- this is not a racist comment, <laughs> but I have to say- It's fun to preface I, I say, it with that. Well, I say it in front of my family all the time. Yeah. I say, I am the oldest living white man, especially at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> now, when Benchley said it, it was a common phrase. Yes. Because they were always finding Indians and people living in Mexico and Africans and people living in the you know the islands and, and the West Indies, and they would always say in the old newspapers they would say he's the oldest living white man, he's 104, whatever. Yeah, it was. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it it made me laugh at the time, and then I said it to somebody, and they said, "That's not a very nice thing to say." No, it's actually fine. Yeah, yeah. It's a comment on something that's not you know, current. Right, right, right. Because I'm very careful about it. Yeah. Oh, you have to be. And I mean, you have to be, and not just because it's, you're, you could get caught. It's because, mm -mm. no, you, you know, it's the reason that the good thing about times being different is that we're aware of the feelings of people that we weren't aware of before. Right. That we just didn't, that were just forgotten and, and neglected and, uh, you know, and 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 treated pretty shittily. No shit. So, yeah, yeah. So, also at the back of your mind, you really have to know. My, my father put it this way, sort of. He said, "You know, there's angels and assholes from all walks of life, yeah. from every color, every race, every every creed, as they used to say. Yes. You know, uh, no matter what your religion, whether what your sexual orientation, everything." You can still be a blazing asshole, but we oh. got to take you on one at a time, because <laughs> uh, that is the great equalizer. Yeah, that yeah. is we are all capable of all of that. Yeah, and some of us are terrible at it. Yeah, some of us are pretty good. Yes, no, and we can, you know, I, I you know, it was I think of like Caitlyn Jenner, right. kind of very brave, you know that that. The transition and stuff. And then it's kind of like, oh, well, she's just back to being an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) But that's absolutely true. Yeah. You know, there was that moment where I was like, I admire her. And now it's kind of like, oh, Jesus, you're still a Republican. The odds are that one of the Hollywood 10 was a real jerk. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Maybe even more than one. (laughs) Well, so is, is, is... Laverne and Shirley, your kind of first oh, yeah. big thing my on first TV? first SAG job. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. They, had to get, they had to audition one other guy for my part yeah. in order to give me the part. Yeah. Or else, because I didn't have a card. Oh, wow. So I, I, you know. So they wanted you. Well, they knew that me and David, we had created these characters. Yeah, yeah. And so. Who's they? The, Is it Gary Marshall? Gary yeah. and, and, and uh, uh, you know, and Lowell Gans and Mark Rothman, who were the, the showrunners. Yeah. 
and and you know everybody else. And they were just aware of you from town. From they were know. aware of us through Penny and Rob. Okay, Rob Reiner and Penny Marshall. Uh, they loved these characters that we did, but we never even did them on stage until 1975. Uh-huh. We were working live with the Credibility Gap, but there was no, we, those guys couldn't comment on the news. Those right. guys didn't really belong in the kind of show that we did. Because they don't care about the news. No, they yeah. don't even know what the news is. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, but we started kind of bleeding them in just as, you know, a, a couple of pieces. Yeah. And they always worked like crazy. But around this time, Penny, uh, you know, had just... Um, she was doing uh, the odd. She had done the Odd Couple. She had done these episodes of Laverne and Shirley. Uh, of sorry, of Happy Days yeah. or an episode, and their characters really kind of, you know, Bopped. blew up. Yeah. yeah. So they were going to do the show. Great, we got this thing. So to celebrate this show, she invite she and Rob invited David and me and Harry, who were at the time the Credibility Gap, to a party at her house celebrating this thing. She's got a show. And some of the producers were there at the show. And Rob, at one point, he just goes, do those guys. Come on, do those guys. Wow. So as David puts it, and I think it's accurate, he said, we went into a piece that we had never done before and we have never done since. It was the two guys discussing whether or not to enroll in a butler school. (laughs) Was it something you had actually worked on? Never. Oh, yeah, it was just totally improvised. No, I don't know where it came out of David Lander's ass. Yeah, yeah. And this one, one must follow. Yeah. And uh, it just, it was, I mean, everyone really loved it. Yeah, yeah. And then Monday morning, we got a call. You're coming to meet Gary. Wow. So he came in and met Gary Marshall. Went to a party and ended up auditioning. Yeah, yeah, Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you have a sense when you were doing it like this- were you just doing it for fun? Or? We were, well, I don't know. I guess in the back of our minds was like, the, these people who are laughing right now are the ones you want to laugh. Our job givers. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because then they'll give you a job where everybody can laugh at you. Yeah, all. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. But I, I don't, mainly I just, I didn't want Rob to have introduced a dud. Yeah. You know, because yeah, I really yeah. liked Rob a lot. And I, I just kind of just gotten to know Penny and she was awesome. And they just- couldn't have been more supportive. He yeah. came in. He says, guys, we'll, we'll hire you're not in the Writers Guild. No. Well, we're going to hire you with an, you'll you'll join the Writers Guild, but right now we're going to hire you as apprentices <coughs> and and we'll, we're going to put you on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, see if you can write yourselves into the first episode. Okay. And we did. Yeah, yeah. And then we wrote ourselves into every other episode. And then people- Did you write your own stuff in most We wrote of a lot of our own stuff. Yeah. We would write- And you, were you credited writers on no. the show? No, 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 oh, never. that's too bad. Never until, well, we wrote an episode yeah. with Harry. Uh-huh. The three of us wrote an episode because he was on the staff too. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, he, he left after. We, we, we wrote one show kind of for us. Yeah. Which was the show about how we wound up in the same building as the, as the girls. So he wrote that one with us, yeah. And uh, and then he says, you know, guys, I think after this, I'm I'm not happy here. This is kind of not my thing, yeah. And uh, so you know, he went off to to pursue Harry Shearer business, mm-hmm. which has turned out rather well, just fine, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but anyway, um, so we wrote that that one together, and then. Uh, yeah, I forgot the point I was trying to make, but I, I have to make. <laughs> no, I mean That's just how, that you wrote all your all your own stuff. Not all I our mean, own stuff. You know, there were yeah. there were uh, certain writers, Chris Thompson, uh, Dana Olson. There were certain writers who really went oh, understood. Babe, I can do this. Yeah, you know, yeah. everyone could write Penny. Yeah, no one knew how to write Cindy. Yeah, it was a, such a tough thing. How do you keep her from being this 
pain in the ass, yeah. you know? She's got to be this kind of persnickety kind of, you know, but adorable. Yes. Little and funny, gal. not and just not just hugely, straight. Yeah, well, she's yeah, a yeah. hugely funny actress yeah, as yeah. well as just being a good actress. Um, did you see that Law & Order she did about five years ago? No. Holy moly, she's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. She's a really good actress. Yeah. So anyway, uh, but they really, uh, every now and then someone would really get it, be able to lay a racket on Lenny and Squiggy. Lowell yeah. was pretty good at it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Once he came back for a little stretch uh, toward the end of our, uh, and he kind of got things on track again yeah. before it all fell apart. Yeah. yeah. Now, did were, was there any concern because you had- Wanted to sort of be, you know, a, a, a more diverse kind of actor that you're going to get pigeonholed as sort of a character comedian type, or I, I think I lucked out there, yeah, because the next two jobs I did after that, because I didn't do anything in the interim, you yeah. know, I just I wanted to hang out. I just, you know, I didn't, you didn't go, push to get I, outside. No, and stuff. I got a lot of job offers, especially yeah. from ABC because they liked me at ABC. Yeah. Um, for to do essentially the same thing. Yeah. Or I got like five lo- offers to do the Love Boat. Yes. And now it's a goofy, as, goofy guy. As kind of a Lenny type. Yeah. yeah a, a best friend of Bruce Boxleitner. Right, or, right. You know, it was like the, 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 that kind of thing. And it was yeah. like, no, I don't, I'm, yeah, I'm going to hang with my guys and my dogs yeah, yeah. and everything, you know. So anyway, so then I didn't really do anything else mm-hmm. until, well, we did used cars. We did 1941 and used cars, David uh-huh. and I together. So it wasn't really an issue. It wasn't really something I thought about. But after Laverne and Shirley, I was really, really lucky to do uh, Young Doctors in Love, which is kind of an airplane type hospital yeah, drama. Yeah, I remember that. It's got some funny stuff in yeah. it. Yeah. <clears throat> it was Gary Marshall's first film as a director. And then Spinal Tap. Uh-huh. So I thought, look, even if I died like now at age 36 or whatever I was, um, I, no one could say he could only do one thing. Yeah. You know? So I just thought that was a real lucky thing because you yeah, don't get yeah. typecast from your first role. You get typecast if your second role is the same it's as your the first same role. as your first yeah. role. Yeah. So you got to be careful. Yeah, I remember when I first came out here. I was just I, it was with a, a live stage show that was had gotten some. It was a silly show called The Real Life Brady Bunch. Oh where sure, we just yeah. Did Brady Bunch episodes. Who was it, a, there was a girl who who was on that. Um, she wound up on SNL. Uh, Oh, oh, Melanie Hutzel. Melanie, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but the, I, from that, in we did it in New. It was it started in Chicago, went to New York. Right. I got an agent, which I, you know, I played Mike Brady, and I was the announcer in the game show that preceded it. And I just couldn't like, I'm getting an agent for saying, <laughs> "Honey, I'm home." But yeah. all right, I'm not going to question it. And then that agent had a had a sort of sister agency in in. Uh, in Los Angeles, uh, that I, so I came to LA sort of with representation already, yeah. And I was really happy with them because they sent me out for all kinds of different things. Good. And then I got the part in the movie Cabin Boy, right? Where I play someone with an IQ of about six. Yes. And then charmingly, every, I might add. Thank you. Everything I got after that was the idiot. Sure. Like I never went out for anything else other than the idiot. And yeah. I I couldn't be choosy. But that was <laughs> yeah. your reel at the time. I, yeah, I was just, exactly. I, and I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to, I mean, there's worse things. You know, the yeah. idiot is usually pretty funny. Yeah. But, uh, you know. I, People like Bill Daly. 
yeah. you made a really nice living for, yeah, two, yeah, for 20 yeah. years right. being the dumbest guy on the uh, show. It, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, but but yeah, it's, it's nice that you got to do that. And yeah. I, also, too, I mean, I think then Spinal Tap must have kind of then just opened up you to this kind of new, new-ish kind of filmmaking in in yeah. the movies that Christopher Guest made, right? Yeah, but there's a you know there's a little stretch there between you know 1984 when yeah. Tap came out <clears throat> and Waiting for Guffman, yeah. which was three years later. Uh huh. And I was you know I was originally I was going to be involved in in doing uh, Guffman, but I got I wound up. You know, doing SNL and mm-hmm. then another job. Actually, did the Brady Punch movie. Oh, that's right. Fact. That's yeah. right. I yeah. forgot about that. And that was a hit. So after that, I got a lot of that guy. Yeah, I got yeah. a lot of, how would you like to play this guy? I just did that guy. Yeah, then, yeah. No, he's a high school principal now. <laughs> oh, I okay. Said, okay, yeah. All I right. said, make, make an offer. And they offered it to Eugene. So... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Be careful. They say make me an offer. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay. How how was your SNL experience? You know, as I've said before, it wasn't a marriage made in heaven. Yeah, yeah. And I was really, I, you know, I got along great with you know with what year was that? It was ninety four. Okay. Uh, was that when Gene? Was that when Chris Elliott and Janine Garofalo yes. were on too? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. well, yeah. Ninety four, ninety five was the. Was that? I yeah, think, yeah. Boy, I'd have to. I'd have to. Look I at, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at a calendar. Because that was <clears throat> yeah. yeah so because it Chris. was right when we got when the late night show started. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But um, so but uh, your experience there, how? You know, it was. I I got to know people that I liked very much. Yeah. Uh, when uh, uh, Rob Schneider was was still there, we wrote some funny stuff together. Yeah. Some of it got on. Some of it didn't. Um, I worked with Dave Mandel a lot. Once, oh, he's great. Once, once we came back from, yeah, and he was, and, and Franken. Yeah. You know, so Al and, and uh, Al and I would write stuff together. I'd write stuff with Dave, mm-hmm. which was really fun because he has so much energy, you know. He's so much like, you can see it in his hands. I mean, yeah, he's yeah, just, yeah. he's throwing, taking things out of his head and throwing them in your face. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they're usually pretty good things. Right. So we wrote some some funny stuff together. Yeah. And uh, it, it was okay. And, and it's like, I didn't really, really have a footing on anything. You know? Yeah. I had only, you were, was only you were one character. A little I, older than. I was quite a bit older. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that weird for you to kind of. No, I knew what I was. I was roughly Phil's age. Yeah. And Phil was leaving the show. And that's one reason that they brought me on. I see. His last six shows with SNL were my first six shows. I see. There was definitely. And it was like, okay, now you're going to be David Spade's dad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in yeah. In this sketch. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it was like, okay. Good. Yeah. Of course, they also wanted me to play Clinton, which I didn't like because I wasn't very good at it. Yeah. And I was following. I was following Phil's. Yeah. Which was, un- it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one need go near that again. Yeah. Yeah. And then after me, Daryl came in and did an amazing job. Right. So it was like sort of like I was the the worn out hammock, the hammock hanging between, between a couple yeah, of high, yeah. couple of high points there. I, I interrupted you when you were going to say you, there was a character that you that you. Well, there was only one character that I had done before with the Gap. Yeah. Which uh, was his name was Frank Stern originally, but they made it Frank Prescott because I was also doing Howard Stern. At yeah. The, so it was like. Eh. And he was just an old, uh, an old John Ford style director, never knew, working with a, uh, an actress, working with Helen. It was Helen. I wrote it for Helen Hunt, basically. Yeah. You know, and just basically, he's this pig 
who is directing this very sensitive actress yeah. and kind of traps her into being brilliant and, yeah, and yeah. passing out. It was like a very, <laughs> it was the first, and I, I wrote it and it went in pretty much as as was. And I thought, yeah, I'm not a writer on the show. I'm going to get writer credit on the show, but yeah. I've written a good sketch here. And Helen knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. You know? So it was really cool experience. But there were a few of those. And as a writer, I got, or a co-writer, I got about 20 sketches on. That's out great. Out of 26 shows. Yeah, that's great. You know, and it was that's mainly- a, That's a really high batting average. It is. And it was mainly because of who I was working with. Yeah. You know, Al's stuff really had an angle to it. Yeah. Um, uh, Dave. Dave's stuff was just, I mean, yeah. he's a comedy writer. It's brilliant. He writes comedy. He writes yeah. really good comedy sketches. Yeah. And he writes really good, you know, long form, obviously, with mm-hmm. Veep and, and uh, you know. Um, Seinfeld, he was there. Wasn't he on Seinfeld? He was on Seinfeld, but he yeah. was also on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right, after right. the first, I think maybe third season on, second yeah, season yeah. on. <coughs> no, he's a, he's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, just because I knew Chris at that point. Yeah. And I, he did not have a good he experience. He was not happy, no. He was not happy. And Janine Garofalo was a friend of mine at the time. I remember one time going to, because having, you know, working in the same building, being in a different class in the same high school, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the SNL after parties were, uh, you know, I, I could just stroll into them. My, you know, my then wife and I could just stroll into them. Yeah. And we would go to them plenty. And also we knew a lot of people. Yeah, it was sure. fun. But I went to one and I walked. Chris was sitting eating and I was happy to see him. I hadn't seen him in a while. And I went up and I, I said, I said, I went up and he was eating and I put my hand on him and said, hey, man, how are you? It's good to see you. And he looked up and he just said, I, and with a mouthful, I fucking hate myself. <laughs> I went, all right, you know, I'm going to talk to you later. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. leave you, let you finish your meal yeah. and then no, go. No, I remember when Chris said to me, it was toward the end of the, that season, and Chris said to me, are you, you thinking of coming back? And I said, yeah, this is a good gig for me. I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing fine. I'm getting a few things on. Yeah. He said, there's no reason for me to come back. This is Janine had already left. Yeah. Mike had left. Uh, Rob was gone. Uh, yeah. You know, it was like th- th- there had been the, the, the house cleaning, the, the chores it a, were yeah, it was Yeah, it was definitely a transitional yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. And I got to say, apart from, uh, you know, from, from all the writers were decent writers and everything. But I think subliminally, a lot of them were looking for the next Wayne's World. Yeah. A lot of them wanted to create a character for... Adam or for Chris Farley or for Spade that would, you know, buy them that house in Bel Air or whatever, or just, you know, whatever, (laughs) or a a two-room apartment in New York City. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I just think, and it was, that's not a knock. It's like, it's very good business sense to have been the person who invented, you know, so-and-so and and never have to work a day. Yeah, yeah, the catchphrase guy. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's not. It's not it's an not appealing for, way to work. No, you know? and that was not a healthy time for not, the show. Yeah, not. Uh, it's not an appealing way to work it, for for me. Yeah. I, I mean, I certainly would not. It, you know, it, you always kind of want to. The thing you're trying to chase is the funny. You know, like right. is to just chase yeah. like doing good work and and feeling good about it. And if you're trying to 
buy a house. <laughs> it's, well, you know, I don't know. I'm speaking out of school. No, I know, I know, yeah. I know. But I mean, and I'm not, I'm not, <clears throat> you know, no. saying in particular that's true about these people. But I do think that there was a a, lo- a a good amount of time on that show where it did seem where they were looking for the next right copier guy yeah. or the next yeah. night at the Roxbury guys or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Well, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they they take these big big swings like yeah. uh, you know well you know the ones yeah. that didn't work. Yes. I was in one called Coneheads. Oh, yeah. Which is a really kind of a funny movie. Yeah, yeah. But I think people had just said, really? Conehead? That's a... Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's a very funny movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, you know, it's... Sometimes it is... You know, I always think sometimes sketches are meant to be sketches. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They don't need sequels necessarily. They sure don't. Now, uh, we've talked... We've been talking for a while, so I I, I definitely want to get to... uh, Better Call Saul. Okay. And how you got to that. I mean, how uh, how that happened. Well, I think how it happened was that uh, Vince Gilligan forgot how old I had gotten. Because <laughs> they, they really should have hired a younger guy to oh, go really? back. And the, fla- the flashbacks were difficult, oh, you know. Oh, you know. And they kept showing, well, here's how we're going to make you. We're going to do it with the computer magic. And I said, mm. All right, whatever. Like smoothing your face or yeah. something? And yeah, if yeah. they did, I had never noticed. I, don't, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen a lot of them anyway. But um, Is, do you not watch yourself much? I, I have. There, there are a few I haven't seen that I'm in, and then I'm way behind in the rest of the story. Yeah, because I'm, you know, I need some time to put my feet up and get through them. Because it's sure. such, a, it's such an amazing it's show. It's really great. Oh, amazing. It's it's one of my favorites. You know, like mine a, too. Yeah, yeah. Short no. list of favorites. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I had not been involved in this show, I would still be a huge fan. Yeah. So. Actually, and I would have seen them all yeah, by this it's, time. It's it's a nice situation yeah. to be in, you know, because there's the yeah <laughs> there's the alternate there's the alternative, yeah. which is like something you're in that you're not that much a fan mm, of. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was uh, I was a big Breaking Bad fan. Uh, Vince, I'd worked with Vince on uh, X Files. Mm-hmm. He created a character. He and Frank Spotnitz created a character that I played in a string of X Files. And had a nice time, and I got to know him a little bit. And every time he had anything going, Vince, after that, he would call me to, to you know, come in and read. Oh, I can't read. I'm, I've got to, you know, I'm on my way to New York to do a play, or yeah, I'm not going to yeah. be able to do that. It just never worked out. Yeah. And it's so good that it never worked out. Yeah. Because when it finally did, it was like, well, we're doing this uh, prequel to Breaking Bad, which was already, which had just finished. Yeah. It was already, God, this is... One of the greatest series, maybe the greatest dramatic series of all time. Yeah, and it had the perfect ending. It yep. nailed nailed that yep. ending like a oh, it like sure a ballerina. Did. And that they is. don't always. No, they don't. The big they prestige don't. series. And even when they come close, you, you're disappointed. Yeah. No, but this couldn't. As I as I told, because I was working with Brian at the time, I said, you know, you couldn't be redeemed. That was the one. That was the one thing you had going in. Yeah. But you found a way to find. To, to let others redeem themselves yep. on your way out. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, no, you to wanted so- him to go out as yes. still- to, to a song by a band that included two suicides. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, wow, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I asked Vince once because I, just the episodes where you get to see uh, Walter with the people that like he had worked with at that startup. Yes. And that you realized Jessica that he- Jessica Hecht and I can't remember the guy. I can't re- But that he had, sab- that he had self-sabotaged and you got the real sense of 
he's a sociopath. Yeah. And I asked Vince, I said, when you were writing the pilot, did you know he was a sociopath? And he said, no. I As Absolutely. time went on, I figured out, which I just was so, I found that so thrilling. Like, and what a, and just like, what a testament to the quality of that show that there was actual organic growth even in the creative process of it well in better call saul and he said this publicly and peter said this publicly peter gould said this publicly they didn't know what the relationship between these two brothers was oh wow until they had seen us on the screen for a few episodes yeah and then it became what if this guy ain't so helpless yeah yeah what if this guy has an agenda yeah that's really going to make us <laughs> shit ourselves yeah 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 how about that how about he's the guy with the sandbag in the dark alley yeah yeah you know and it was they called me up to tell me he says well this is well things are going to change a little bit and we're going to we're going slide i think you're going to find it really interesting and then he's kind of spelled out who chuck really was at yeah. that point and it was Oh boy! Okay. Yeah, it's when can gotta we start? Be exciting. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When can we get on? Because he's such a pitiful, awful person in a way. Like, there's, yeah. like he really is to be pitied, but then he also is to be reviled. You yeah. know, just because. Well, I'm the only person who ever had to love him. Yeah, and I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I did. I, I did can see that. Yeah. yeah, you have to do that to yeah, some yeah. extent. I play a few years ago on stage. I played uh, a Southern Colonel, the most racist, disgusting. He should die right now, human being yeah. you've ever seen in your life. A play called "Father Comes Home from the Wars" mm -hmm. by Su Suzanne Laurie Parks. Um, Lots of racism, I imagine. It was just, it was, it was horrible. It was like, yeah. you know, just. But I, I had to find a way to love him as much as he loves himself. Yeah. And I, of course, I'm. I don't drink, but alcohol was certainly helping him love himself as yeah, much as he yeah, did. Yeah. So I, that was a way in. Yeah. But you have to. You have to. You have to love your person, even if your person is a self-loathing person. Yeah. You have to find a way to love him enough yeah. to keep him from blowing his brains out. Anyway, I'm going to put that in the "What Have You Learned" column. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, well, now, I mean. Uh, Unfortunately, you you immolated uh, on Better Call Saul. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, are there flashbacks this year or anything? Did you do anything no. this year? No. no, not for the fifth. They just wrapped the fifth season yeah. today. Oh, that's I just, yeah, I saw yeah. On, yeah. on somebody. No, I'm not in the fifth season. Yeah. But fortunately, everybody else is. Yeah, yeah. Everybody who counts. Well, now, I mean, are you... Uh, <clears throat> I know you have you have a, a sort of a like a travel show, right? It's a it's a no, it's or, a food show. A food show. That's yes. what I mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really fun for five seasons. We did it. Yeah, one little bitty season, and then they got longer and longer. And uh, it's called Food Factor Fiction. You can yeah. find it on the Cooking Channel, I think, and the Food Channel. They're all yeah. reruns now. Oh, and, the, and, then, and it's over now. Yeah, no, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I think we're probably done. But uh, we, it was such a good time. It yeah. was so much fun and so easy to yeah, do yeah. on my part. My God. And my daughter, Nell Geislinger, who's a, a wonderful uh, actress and writer, she kind of became my producer because she was helping She was helping me rewrite stuff because I would get copy. Mm -hmm. And it's like, mm, mm. <laughs> it's a better actor than me to bring this to life. Yeah, yeah. So we started rewriting all that stuff. Yeah. Because it was very dry. It was yep. very about the facts and everything. 
And so Nell and I would be doing it over the phone. I'd be in New Mexico and she'd be back in LA and we'd be working on the phone, fixing the scripts. Yeah. And then, so finally, after the two seasons of that, they said, well, why don't we just hire Nell? So she became a writer producer on the show, oh, segment that's producer. Great. Yeah. Uh, the guy named Tony Sam, they were they were kind of partnered for a lot of stuff. And, yeah. Uh, also a very funny writer and comic. And um, so anyway, it was uh, it was really a fun gig. Yeah. And then they would shoot the thing. We would shoot, we shot 26 shows of the stuff that just features me in the kitchen mm-hmm. in four and a half days. Oh, wow. Because I had to get back East for something, I forget what it was. Oh, to do, I did a play last year with, yeah, uh, yeah. with Edie Falco and Peter Scolari. Yeah. So it was like, I'm out of here. I got to get on a plane. Yeah, They're yeah. starting rehearsals without yeah. me, you know. Is that, do you have a preference now? I mean, as time, ongoing, like do you? Until pref- there are physical reasons keeping me from doing both, I got to say that I love them in, in yeah. different ways. And I imagine they inform each other in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think to some extent, yeah. Yeah. The great thing about theater is you never have to get up before 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> if you want to lie, have a little lie-in, you yeah. say, let me see, oh, I got to work oh, nine hours from now. Yeah, yeah. Get some coffee, some chiclets, yeah, yeah I'll be fine. Yeah. It's also probably nice to have an excuse to kind of be bi-coastal. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, the New York means a lot to me. Yeah. It really does. You know, I, I, I don't vote there anymore. Mm-hmm. But when I'm there, I live there. And when I'm there... Nothing is a weird, stupid thing. But I'm an out-of-towner as, as well as being a, a hometowner when I'm yeah. in New York. And when I when somebody stops me on the street and asks for, asks for directions, when I can give them great directions, I feel so grown yeah. up. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My son just started school there. And Where's he going? Parsons. Oh, school of Design. Excellent. Sure. Yeah. And he just, I just dropped him off a month ago, and I just saw him this weekend. And it is, I mean, I... I left there in 2001, and right. there's so much of like, boy, it was different when I was here, you know, walking Absolutely. around, especially sure. San Gennaro was last weekend, so we went down oh there. Just on some of the side streets. Did, just, what, did you have the sausage and peppers? I had sausage oh, and peppers. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. That's such a good thing. It's so good. It's, it's so good. never as good except when you're at the San Absolutely. San it's just Absolutely. the best sausage and peppers. Well, and the bread is just, and it's kind of like you can't go wrong. Like, it's no. not like you're going to, one sausage and peppers is going to be that much better than the other ones. <laughs> no, you know? no. I mean, they'll tell you different, but- uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was pretty funny too. There was a a parade that just and I mean it's a narrow shoot of a street. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. With, you know, with with food stands and you know and just like weird, you know, yoga pants stands. You know, like all the all the weird sort of. But there's a parade that comes down the middle of that narrow yeah, yeah. street that two cars can barely pass yeah. on anyway, <laughs> with just police walking head going, "Get out of the way! Yeah. You're going to get run Am over." Shows over, yeah, yeah. And so you have to step back. And the most hilarious thing was there was a cavalcade of five convertible Cadillacs, which I there's I don't even know if I've seen five convertible oh, wow. Cadillacs in the last 20 years, but one after the other. And the the guys and that were in them were just Mwah. Those guys. What you want of yeah. a little Italy parade and guys in a convertible <laughs> Cadillac. It was so great. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. But no, I find when, I, when I've when i gone back there for a week, two yeah. weeks, within – because I go for a couple of days and I still feel like yeah, I'm visiting. But in a, three or four days, I feel like I'm right back into yeah. it. Yeah, well, there yeah. are stations of the cross. You know, when I, when I go down to – I say, you know what's playing at the film forum? 
today. Yeah. And I go down to the film forum and I go, okay, here I am. I'm home. Yeah. I mean, doing uh, the same thing you were yeah, doing. Exactly. A, a lot of those places are ago. gone. You know, yeah. I'm so burned up. I, you know, I loved a lot of things about NYU, but the fact that they bumped the, uh, the bottom line out yeah. of that building, which is still enrages me. Yeah. Yeah. And they've done nothing with it. I think, is it a gap now? Or, I, I mean, probably. it's some, yeah. And yeah. it's just, Really pisses me off. Yeah, yeah. But I do. I love you, NYU. Yeah, sort of, <laughs> sort of, <laughs> as your sort of alma mater. Yeah. So, well, you know, I bet you get asked for advice. You get, which is sort of our what I've learned sort of thing. And I mean, it can. I mean, it doesn't. I wonder. Well, I wonder with with somebody like you that it has had such a varied and very rich career i think you know like you've gotten to do a lot of different things yeah i mean what how does that inform your life like how does that inform just sort of like your own personal philosophy and then you know or vice versa for that matter i i, I just keep the lesson i keep learning is that we are all equal but we're all 100% different. Mm-hmm. So everyone comes up a different way. Yeah. You know, you, I, you couldn't have given, you couldn't have handed me an instruction booklet that contained all the stuff that I actually did. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it's too, it's too complex. Like I say about Ron Silver, not showing up for this movie and, or, you know, passing on this movie. And now I get to work with Annette O'Toole and we fall in love and we get married. Yeah. You know. I'm the happiest man in America because of that. Yeah. You know, you can't see that stuff coming. So, you know, make plans, but, you know, pack some almonds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. And never pass up a chance to take a leak. Yeah. That's the other one. <laughs> but it was Even if you got to force it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Told, I told that to my wife. It's just, you know, this is a very important thing. <laughs> and she says, you know, you never have to say that to a woman. They already know that. <laughs> yeah. They don't need some, some jerk in. actor telling yeah, them. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Alan Arkin, uh, Alan Arkin's wife t- told me this. And she didn't do Alan Alan's voice when she did it. Yeah, yeah. But it was so Alan. Maybe he was sitting there eating at something. It was, we were shooting this film in Mexico. And <laughs> she goes, well, I got really angry at him one time because he was moping around the house, you know, just hating the business and yeah. hating, you know, not getting, you know. So I said, why don't you do this? Why don't you sit down at the computer and make a list of everything that you know to be true? So, so I came back and checked on about an hour later and I said, what do you got? And then he showed me on the screen and it says, in, in Alan's voice, of course, there's no such thing as too much garlic. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. That was it. That was, that was it. as far as he got. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> yeah. Excellent Alan Arkin, by yeah. the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah. 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 Well, everyone wanted to be Alan Arkin. All my wise guy friends wanted to be Alan. He's Arkin. so good. Yeah, so brilliant. Yeah, he was in a play called Love. It was him and Jackson and Eli Wallach. That's yeah. the whole. Okay, it's a very funny play. Yeah, that I don't think I, I keep wanting to revive it. My daughter, when she was acting in regional theater, I said, "Look, if you can sell them on you," and she had these two friends who were perfect for the other two people. Yeah. It, I will come and direct it. Yeah. Because it's one of my favorite plays. And, uh, you know, but she kind of left regional theater around that time. So yeah. it never happened. But it's a really, really funny play. And I had a recording of it. My father was at Columbia at the time. And Columbia was putting out all these. They did Virginia Woolf. They did, you know, oh, wow. um, 
Um, Probably multi LP. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, they did stuff with Robards and you know the, uh, Dylan with with uh, um, il, um, with uh, Alec Guinness. Oh wow! That I saw on Broadway. They had, I had a recording of that too. But just listening to Alan play this part, I can't believe this is happening to us. <laughs> Not to Harry and Edith Berlin. <laughs> so she, she said, but she started growing a mustache. Well, you should have given her. You should have given her love and attention. I should have given her shaving cream. It's, <laughs> it's a very funny play. Yeah, 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 but hard to do. Yeah, Mike Nichols directed it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, uh, is there anything you would like to uh, to plug, as they say? Uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah. My friend, um, yeah. yeah, I can't tell you exactly. There's this, there's a thing called breeders. Keep your eyes open for breeders. We okay. don't have a, a it's going to be on Sky in, in, uh, in Britain. Okay. And it's going to be here too, but we don't really know exactly where or when, um, or that I can talk about. And it's Martin Freeman and Daisy Haggard are this lovely couple mm-hmm. who are just never, never do they have an unexpressed thought. And they're both brilliant actors yeah. and very funny people. And I'm uh, Daisy's long gone dad from America, and uh, so I'm I'm in that for a little stretch, which is was really really fun to do. That's great. Yeah, I've been working there a lot. I did go Good Omens there in in 2017. Oh, that's right. Yeah, which is so much. I fun. just started watching that. It's yeah. really fun. It's yeah. lovely. It's a lovely show. Yeah, just good group of people too. Yeah, you get yeah. to hang out with uh, you know the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so. Um, Keep an eye. Keep an eye open for, for that. I did a stretch of Grace and Frankie's, which was really fun to yeah. do. You know, I've known Lily for a long time. Yeah, and Jane was like a new element. And yeah, uh, wow, I'm working with Jane Vonda. I'm yeah. living living large here, and she's <laughs> as awesome as you would assume. Yep. And Sam Waterston, who mm-hmm. I did King Lear with. Yeah. Uh, about six seven years ago. Oh wow. And uh, he's a, he's a awesome guy, and and Marty Sheen and Peter Gallagher. It was really really fun. Yeah. And I did a film with Kelly O'Hara, uh, Kelly, excuse me, Kelly O'Hara is my other pal in New York. Um, Kelly Oxford. Oh. She, she directed, just directed her, it. Her, yeah, her, I know her, Kelly. Yeah. And I had a great time with that. Okay, being married to Marsha Gay Harden, even make-believe. Is, That's great. Is very cool. And what's yeah. it called? I should know. I... It's called Pink Skies Ahead at yes. this point. Yeah. And I, there are probably another, it might have another- uh, Title by the t- time yeah. it gets around, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so Jessica Barden is our, our leading lady, <clears throat> who is was born within, I, I'm not exactly sure where she was born. She's a, a, an English woman. Yeah. And she's hilarious and a great character of on her in her own right. Yeah. Does doing a fabulous valley accent and really doing a good good LA girl. You oh, that's know? great. Yeah, she's terrific. And um, yeah, I guess that's about it. It, is, it seems like I'm working a lot, but yeah, I also like to chill a little bit sometimes. I, I, I don't we all? Yeah, my wife is up in Vancouver right now shooting her show. She does a show for um, for Netflix called Virgin River. Okay, it's kind of a kind of a contemporary romance thing. She's working with uh, with her old pal Tim, Tim Matheson. Oh, that's and, great! Uh, yeah, so she's doing that. Her second season of that hasn't been on the air yet, but they picked up a second season. So. Oh, wow. that's always so weird. So I get to go and hang out there and be her fancy man. Oh, that's great! Yeah, unoccupied. It's always nice to it be is. this, you know, 
the 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 one that's not working. Yeah, we try yeah. and we try and give ourselves give each other that gift from yes. time to time. It's nice. Keeps us out of star is born territory, you know. <laughs> when we were first married, when we were first married, we uh, we used to say, "Now, who who's Norman Maine this week? Yeah, <laughs> who's going to walk into the sea because of career problems this week?" Because we would go back and forth. Sure, you know? but sure. It's it's good to have it's good to have a wife who has a job. Yeah, and then when she doesn't and you're working, it's uh, it's very cool. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Well, it's been very cool having you here. Same here. And thank you so much uh, for for coming in. It was really a treat to get to talk to you. Well, thanks. And this is the longest we've ever talked. I know. We've talked. We talked at the wrestling show for about five minutes. That's right. Yeah, a we couple went weeks to, ago. Uh, uh, what's it called? It needs a catchier name. Vava. Yeah, yeah. Vava. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lucha Vavum. Lucha Vavum. Lucha Vavum. Yeah. My, Lucha uh, Vavum. Blaine Capach has asked me to. Do, yeah. It's a crazy. Crazy burlesque combo lucha lucha libre show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, it was like you guys. It was like you're the mystery science theater guys. Yeah, commenting on something where they had the, no business. The color being. commentators. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Blaine's, really a Blaine is of, one of the funniest brains. He's great that ever lived. So right? funny. Yep, love that man. Really great guy. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. My uh, pleasure for coming in. Go Dodger Blue. Uh, go Dodgers. Go Cubs too. I, I'm I'm I know. I'm split. I you know, know. I, I'm fifty fifty. Listen, here. I gave them in two thousand eight. I was doing a show in. I was doing a play at Steppenwolf. Uh huh. And we got to come to the stadium and everything. And my one of the uh, one of the uh, Kate Budicki who was in the play. She got to sing the national anthem, and I got to sing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." It's a really fun night. But it was sort of like, as I said then to the crowd, I said, "I'm a Dodger fan." But I got to say, the stars seem to be aligned. I think I jinxed him in 2008. Because <laughs> it was 100 years after the last time they won, yeah, they yeah, won yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And I said, well, if, if, there's any, if there's any better place to be in the, base, the baseball universe than Wrigley Field right now, yep. I'll have to hear about it from a burning bush. Uh-huh. It, it seems it good. No, it's uh, whenever uh, the Cubs come here, I, I try to go and I wear a P. Because I, I'm a... You know, I I have to admit, I live here, so yeah. I do want to, you know, although I don't have cable, so I can't see the Dodgers, <laughs> so right. I end up watching more Cubs games. And yeah. it was funny because the last time I went just a couple months ago to see Cubs-Dodgers, uh, the Dodgers won, and I was really surprised how pissed I was. <laughs> and it made me think like, all right, I guess I'm more 60-40 than 50-50, yeah. so. Well, I rooted for the Brooklyn Dodgers when I was a little child. Oh, wow. Before they moved. How convenient. And then, you you know. Yeah, and then you f- follow 15 them out years here. after that, I, yeah. I come out, I follow them out. You follow them out. Yep. Well, thank you so My much pleasure. for coming. And thank you out there for listening. Uh, we will uh, check in with you again with another episode of The Three Questions. Bye-bye. I've got a big, big love. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Galit Sahayek, and engineered by Will Becton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been... A Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. 
Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. 